Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil and TireRack.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson. Hello and welcome to podcast number 290. Uh, this is not John Davis. This is Brian Robinson filling in for the big boss uh, this week, uh, deserving uh, getting some well-deserved time off. And uh, joining me today is Greg Carlos, uh, Jessica Ray, and assistant road test producer Stephen Truant for the first time on a Motor Week podcast. Uh, it's been 290, Stephen. What's taking you so long? I <laughs> uh, just showed up about a year ago. So, oh, all right. Know, things happen. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about the Honda CRV hybrid from you. Uh, but first, we're going to look a little farther into the future with the 2024 Volvo EX90. Jessica? Yeah. Uh, so, this is basically the all electric version of the. Uh, XC90, which is their uh, Volvo's flagship SUV. Now, um, XEX is uh, the new, I don't know if this is the new nomenclature going forward, but it kind of makes a bit more sense to me than C, personally, for their pure electrics. Um, but C? So, C yeah. yeah, they've had a C before. Well, no, electrics. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I think it makes... Recharge. They're was, all over the place yeah. with recharge, but not all recharge are strictly Correct. EVs. Some are right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had the C40 recharge, but that wasn't... You know, they had Cs before, and that didn't necessarily denote C, and that's the only C in their lineup. So, um, And then if they were going to make this the XE90... That would be confusing because it's the XC90, which would right. confuse people. They just really backed themselves into a corner. <laughs> I know, and they didn't think far enough into the future. Right, and they're not even consistent with it. Some things are called something in Europe, and they're called something here, and yes. then they change all the time. And so. some of them have recharge on them, and then some of them don't. Right, some are T8 recharge, yes. and then some are just recharge. Uh, yeah. Too many numbers and letters. Anyway, I'm sure everyone Sorry. listening could care less about that. <laughs> that was a, we, we actually started with our rant today. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the EX. So it's a seven seater. Um, this is made ground up as an all electric, which is um, beneficial in the fact that you know uh, with the other EV, the pure electrics that Volvo has done, they've adapted already, you know, platforms that um, were made for gas engines. Um, so they just weren't optimized for all electrics. The C40 wasn't unique platform? Like completely unique. The way that the, the way that they spun the C40 was it was their first vehicle designed as an all electric that didn't have a gas motor because it's still, I'm pretty sure the same, uh, like underpinnings as the XC 40, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, cause it shares a ton with it. Uh, and like even range and stuff, uh, battery. Yeah. It's all the same setup as Polestar yeah. too. Right. Same platform. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, this is, uh, Apparently a bit more interior space. Um, I mean, it looks really good. I think it looks incredibly attractive. It's not really moving too, too far away from what design language we've seen from Volvo, and especially with their all-electrics. 
Um, it has a 111 kilowatt hour battery, which is pretty big. Um, and that should get you around 300 miles, maybe a little bit over that, um, because we are, this is a seven seater. So this is a pretty decently sized SUV. Um, it will at first only come with a dual motor, all wheel drive setup uh, that can get up to 496 uh, horsepower, which is pretty impressive. Um, honestly, Volvo's, uh, I think the X, the, sorry, the C40 recharge, I mean, that was like over 400 horsepower, and it was just really a really fun driving experience. Um, and this also has bi-directional charging, so you can charge other things with it, other cars. Yeah, you can plug it into your house and use it as a generator sort of situation if you have that set up. Um, it also has a little bit of a different interior. Uh, Volvo said that they're kind of moving away from sharing so much with Polestar, so we'll see differences between the models in the future. It has now, instead of, um, I mean, it kind of had like a, a longer length portrait infotainment screen, right, right. but this is bigger. This is like 14.5 inches, and it's a bit more like a it's a bit more like an iPad that's kind of like stuck in there. Um, but it, one of the, I think, most interesting things about this is that it has cameras, it has radar, but it also comes with LiDAR, which is really, really interesting. Um, that means a lot for the technology that's going to be in this vehicle, a lot of safety systems, a lot of, um, when I think of like LiDAR usage in, in vehicles, I think like that's one of the extra checks, right? Cameras are checking things, the radars are checking things, and LiDAR is just like another check. Um, and they all have their own use cases in, in different scenarios. So LiDAR is pretty impressive. But that also means that this is not going to come cheap. <laughs> um, I, I think S they don't have prices out, but um, I mean, I think most people are estimating this to cost somewhere around like $80,000 to start. Um, yeah, that IX that we had in, similar size, right? Well, actually, even bigger than the IX, and that mm -hmm. thing was 100 and Hundred plus, mm -hmm. so I mean that's not outrageous. Yeah, and, and dealer markups. Well, yeah. Well, this comes in twenty twenty four, so who knows what the or late twenty twenty three potentially. Uh, but it also has uh, probably one of the last things I will say about it is that it has these like what they're calling Thor hammer headlights, yeah. mm. which are like Scandinavian. Really, yeah, that's been really their signature for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, they're really impressive looking. A lot of people are saying that's really going to be expensive to replace, but I think they're really cool. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 2022. Nice. <laughs> I said 2020. Sorry. I still live in 2020 I'm right there with I, you, once right? COVID yeah. happened, everything just shut down. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no. I'm sure it will be very uh, successful, very luxurious. Um, I always wondered how Volvo's. Uh, how their buyers respond to the technology we've seen in Volvo's recently? Because really, the XC90 was like their uh, kind of their like catapult into the new age. With like, they, right. I think that one de de debuted the, the screen platform and the, yeah. Yeah, the census touch screen. Yeah, yeah, and I because like I had trouble with it early on, and I just I always every time I get into a Volvo, I, I feel like it gets worse for me as I get older. Like. 
I'm looking, I'm trying to use things on the screen and the font's so like small oh, and man. like everything's so like cl close and, and together and you're trying to do a simple task and it ends up being not so simple. I'm just curious. I mean, I see a lot of them on the road, so I assume that maybe they have attracted a younger buyer with the styling and some of the new technology. But, you know, that traditional Volvo buyer, I wonder what, what their th thoughts yeah, are on this new age been Volvo. integrating Google more and more into mm -hmm. it as well. And mm -hmm. they just, uh, like a lot of manufacturers, they want you to just speak everything into existence. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. which can also be frustrating when you're a uh, mumbler much like myself because <laughs> you also find yourself actually like getting mad at the assistant yeah. like, and maybe it's just me and i'm just so used to carplay anyway you know it's like i don't even think that a lot of the volvos we've had recently have had wireless carplay you still need like the hard wire for the usb you, cable you do I that mean, doesn't they, bother me so they yeah. actually well they only just put carplay in their vehicles because uh, they released this new uh Android Automotive. It's not Android Auto. It's right. Android Automotive. And when they released that, they did not have any... They didn't have Android Auto... Or no, they just didn't have Apple CarPlay. So I thought they had Apple CarPlay to start, and then they got rid of it, and then it came back. Right. I thought I, like, I yeah. remember using it early on in Volvos. That yeah, had, it was, it was, when they upgraded to the new system, correct. It wasn't then it went away. Yeah. yeah, and now it's back. Yeah. Like all, like this will have Apple just CarPlay. like the McRib. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll move on uh, with that to another vehicle. Uh, this one is the Honda CRV Hybrid, which Steve and you have recently driven. Is that correct? That is correct. I was right. recently out in uh, Santa Barbara, California. Ooh, um, fancy. Yeah, That's mid nice. last month, I think. It was, yeah, it was a really, really good time. Um, great driving route. Um, so, yeah, essentially with the new CRV Hybrid, you know, um, my family personally is a little Honda biased. My mom has a fourth gen CRV. My brother's a fifth gen. So getting to experience the sixth gen was pretty uh -huh. cool. And all thanks for telling updates. us. Yeah, really <laughs> appreciate that. No, I'll background take, is essential. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take He's this whole thing though, with yeah. a giant grain of salt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, it's um you know Honda's fourth generation hybrid system. Um, it's a two liter internal combustion motor paired with a two motor hybrid system. Um, the hybrid sees two trims. It's either sport or sport touring. Um, with that you know exterior styling, you see a lot of black accents. You know within the grill, mirror caps, black wheels, stuff like that. Um, Power-wise, you know, it sees three extra horsepower um, opposed to the previous generation. It's 204 horsepower, uh, 247 pound-feet of torque, which is 15 more than the previous gen. Um, and that torque is pretty instantly available. Um, it was pretty punchy coming out of some corners. Um, the body itself is, like, 15% stiffer. Um, body supports i should say and um front and rear subframes are a lot more rigid um so it soaked up bumps really really nicely you know the overall ride quality very smooth the powertrain saw a lot of um sound deadening as well so mm -hmm. inside the cabin and the powertrain sound deadening interior very very quiet experience and then the um the seats are all new as well so i mean it's not like a lazy boy but overall the seats were pretty darn comfortable i feel like i could have just kept driving for countless not hours not a lazy boy but like a not so motivated <laughs> child yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so yeah and the other thing i thought you know i don't think any other crv has been like actually tow rated like with a confirmation number um but this one is rated to tow a thousand pounds so if you got like a couple jet skis or something you can mm -hmm. tow a couple or a lazy boy or a lazy yeah. boy yeah you never know what you're gonna need um so yeah the overall fuel economy too i mean it's um 40 city, 34 highway, and 37 total. So, um, yeah, it it was just a really, really good overall experience. I, I think it's pretty nicely refined. 
Uh, so 2023, did they have a hybrid before? Is this an all-new CRV generation or just a new hybrid? Or what? It's an all-new CRV generation and an all-new okay. hybrid system and, uh, as well. Okay. Well, so yeah. are, will they all be hybrid then? Is that the deal? Or? No, so it's okay. uh, the Sport and Sport Touring are your lone hybrid trims. Anything else is going to be internal combustion. This isn't With, the first CRV yeah. hybrid. Remember a couple it years ago one. when the um, the CRV hybrid won green car the year, green SUV of the year at LA Auto Show around this time uh-huh. before anybody had even driven it like it wasn't yeah. even a thing yet yeah, and like yeah. i'm sitting there at the award ceremony i'm like i haven't even seen this car yeah. before and it won the award <laughs> but anyway yeah that's my little side bar yeah we won't even get into what well, won the awards this year because <laughs> it didn't get any better or it didn't make any more sense in my head but well, anyway. this is a pretty big product for honda specifically because yes. um what it seems like for all of their like new upcoming models is that they plan to sell 50 percent of crvs as hybrids yes. which previously i believe was somewhere around 20 percent mm-hmm. um so this fourth generation hybrid system goes into um civic civic, civic, and, civic and, and it'll go in accord so um so yeah, so it's a pretty big important model for the brand because they plan to sell a lot of them. I, in an ideal world, they'd be selling 200,000 of them. A oh, absolutely. Year. Yeah. And they're pushing for carbon neutrality by 2050. So, you know, they're well mm-hmm. on their way to doing mm-hmm. so. Mm. So, we had a long term RAV4 hybrid for quite a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We um, did. Yeah. Did you have any time in that, Stephen? Was that pre Stephen trip? I think that was pre Stephen days. That yeah. was the one we had uh, the fuel issue where yeah, it wouldn't quite fill all the way get up. Into. Yeah, yeah. Huh. We could never figure out whether it wouldn't fill up or whether it was a smaller tank. It wouldn't fill up. That that I think it's confirmed that the mm. tank was normal size, but yeah. there was something about the design of it. It would trip the uh, yeah. the fuel filler to think you. that it was full when it wasn't. Yeah. And I don't. I actually don't know what happened to that. Yeah, I don't it know. A, what the yeah, because eventually we was. we noticed it before uh, Toyota officially acknowledged it. Right. And then right around that time, because well, we saw people on the internet talking about it too. And then right around that time is when Toyota did acknowledge it. But I don't know if they did like a fix for it, yeah. or if they're just like, hey, you know, that's how it is. Or well, I'm sure they had to have done something about it, right? I just it's not something I I've been to... super concerned with in my life, so I haven't I, checked up on it. I believe it's been fixed for uh, after the. Let's see, we had a 2019. So I think probably after like 2020 models, it should have been fixed. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Back to the CRV hybrid. I didn't mean to take a step. Well, road, there's clearly it? a market for because we talked about you know it being a very important car for them because you look at what Rav4 does with the hybrid. I mean, they sell a ton of those things. Right. Rav4s in general, but you know, so now for Honda to and I know they had one before, but you know they got to keep up with Rav4, which is the it's still the best-selling, well, it's definitely the best-selling yes. Toyota, if not the best-selling yeah. vehicle, minus subtracting the F-150. Ford, yeah. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still the best-selling vehicle. Yeah, the it's interesting their take, though, with their last, like the Sienna minivan, uh, the Venza mm-hmm. utility, that Crown. Crown. They're, all har- they're all hybrid. Right. And the, well, that's what they I don't even just have something non-hybrid available anymore. I said that with the eight, the Honda HRV. Like, why not just make that an yeah. all like yeah. hybrid all the way through? Because I like, yeah. think you kind of admit with that one that your buyers aren't like concerned about automatic transmissions. Mm-hmm. Like, just give them a CVT. It's fine. And I think like a hybrid now falls in 
into that category. It was like the, the buyer probably isn't going to be super discerning when it comes down to the powertrain. It's like interior amenities, how big it is, fuel economy. That's right. about it. No. Um, but yeah, Toyota seems to be yeah. taking that route where it's just like all hybrid. Right. That's just what the car is. And hybrids or Honda, uh, it seems like they're still kind of set on giving the option. Yeah, and that other engine is it's the 1.5 turbo, is that? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which I mean, that's a great Good engine. It's, it's a great engine. I yeah. drove that version of it okay. and it was fine, you yeah. know. It's a little less powerful and yeah. but you know, and it's just like one of those things that like with gas as expensive as it is, I think if you tout like that this car can get almost 40 miles per gallon, that will sell you more units, I think. Personally, but what, what it's interesting that you brought up the Rav Four because hybrid specifically because actually they just did a study on uh, which cars are appreciating after within the three years of purchase and the Jeep Wranglers obviously first um, <laughs> <laughs> and Porsche 911 is also up there as well. Oh, the cars appreciating, but, but so is uh, the Rav Four Hybrid. It mm. is very slow to depreciate, and it, but it also at the same time is um, really good. At All of them, or the, just the Prime? Because I know the no, Prime, they were jacking those things up. Big yeah, because you, I mean, they were selling literally every one they yeah. made. I think it was just the hybrid. It was okay. just the hybrid. Yeah. I think the Prime was the Prime is a weird situation because because uh, Toyota definitely did not make an uh, did not allocate enough units for the amount of demand that they had. Yeah. So the dealers are marking them up like uh, fifteen thousand dollars. Before we move on, and while we're on this aside, <laughs> <laughs> at what point do we stop calling? cars hybrids like the reason we did is because everybody was used to a gasoline powered and i know it, hybrid means gas like two different things hybrid and electric but like we're moving so far in the directions of hybrids just being like a normal thing like when does that become just a powertrain a well, car is powered like a, a car is now officially powered by a gas motor. motor and an electric motor and at what point is there ever a point where that is just what a car is. Well, but they kind of have like the different sectors of hybrids. Like you have sectors, your PHEVs, you know, you have your PHEVs, your HEVs, you know, I, I'm not as well versed with everything, you know, electric going on in vehicles, but I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. I agree. But that's, I think it's just kind of hard to say in general, like if you can really call just a hybrid as standard, because I mean, at least until internal combustion engines, like, are not a, a lone thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like, if mm -hmm. it were to become standard, then it's like, okay, then we just don't have to label it anymore. Yeah, and there's so many engines that aren't labeled as hybrids that have start-stop systems, mm -hmm. which are essentially... Yeah, because right. yeah. essentially yeah. Light, yeah. Mild hybrid system. Yep. Correct. So we're, I think we're heading in that direction, but there's still so many engines that are not electrified in any way. Certainly a lot of performance stuff. Uh, it's a tough question, Greg. I don't have a good answer for you. Well, that's, uh, I just <laughs> I live to stump you, Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not too hard to do. Moving on, uh, we're going to stick with you, Greg. Uh, you've just spent some time in the Rivian R1T. I did spend some which time. Which is not a hybrid. Which is not a hybrid, correct. It is fully electric, the Rivian R1T. R1T, T for... Uh, truck. This is the pickup truck version, and uh, we talked about the LA Auto Show a few minutes ago. And this is my first introduction into Rivian, and everybody's was 
what is it, like five, six years ago now? Mm -hmm. It was just in that tiny little stall when you went back towards like Porsche and uh, Subaru when you go back to that hall if you've ever been to the auto show. And it was just sitting there under these steps and it was Rivian. And you're like, look at this truck with the cool <laughs> pass-through from the... Yeah. Where's the engine? Oh, it's electric. Oh, cool. You can put like a 12 feet of lumber directly through the cab. And uh, yeah, and, and here we are now. They were, um, I guess, the first all-electric pickup truck to be sold in America. They beat uh, Ford. I believe so, yeah. Uh, first deliveries. Yeah. Um, now, you know, obviously Ford has the Lightning and that's out being sold. You've probably seen one around. Um, but yeah, we got to drive one. Um, I specifically drove it at the uh, at our drag strip and a little bit around um, and was kind of struck by uh, its size. I actually thought it was smaller than I expected it to be. I don't know how you guys felt when you yeah, saw I'd it. I'd agree. Um, mm-hmm. Not a small truck, but also not like a full. It's not a Lightning. It's not an F-150. Yeah, definitely a mid-sized yeah. truck, similar to Ridgeline, Tacoma, et cetera. Definitely in that category. And I think they're kind of they weren't really going after a traditional half-ton pickup truck buyer anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a four-foot bed, four and a half-foot bed. Um, they're all four-door crew cabs, so you can fit some people in there. It's not so much. Uh, doing a ton of work with a truck, but knowing that you can do uh, things that you can't normally do with an SUV or, or a sedan. Um, I was impressed by the fit and finish right away. Um, we've been into the Lucid now, um, some Teslas we've been into, some of these like independent automakers. And the first thing you notice is usually fit and finish. You'll hear some things creaking, some things rattling. Uh, I didn't really get any of that in the Rivian. And, and Stephen, you probably drove it a little bit too. Um, the only thing I noticed was suspension noise. Um, that kind of, um, wouldn't say rattled, but you could hear the suspension in action when you yeah. were doing things. Uh, speaking of the suspension, it has air suspension, and I'm not sure I've seen an air ride suspension move as quickly and as freely as this thing does. Huh. It's like when you change the setting, it gets down <laughs> and it squats or shoots itself up. I mean, normally when we film these things, that's why we're so sensitive to it. It's like you push a button and you got to like zoom the camera in mm-hmm. and like really see it move. This thing's just like you push the button and then bam, jacked oh, yeah. up, bam, yeah. down low. Like a low rider, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like up to six inches yeah, of, uh, lot, of difference, yeah. which is which is pretty big. Um, so that's cool. Uh, out on the track, I usually kept it in the lowest setting um, for handling work, um, which minimized body roll to an extent. You're still sitting up fairly high compared to a car, so it rolled a little bit, but still felt pretty good through the cones. Uh, of course, acceleration is what everybody cares about, and uh, accelerate it did. Uh, 3.2 seconds to 60. Um, 11.8 in the quarter at 111, but once you hit 110, uh, it really died. Like it just died off. And that's with the four motor. All four motors, yes. one for each wheel. <clears throat> Robinson, you and I talked about it. It's a, uh, each launch was kind of different. Uh, normally, you kind of get a feel for how a car launches. You know where it's going to go, which direction it's going to pull. This one, it seemed like because you had motors at all four corners. It was like wherever the grip was, it was like chaos theory. Like whatever that <laughs> in that moment it felt it would do. So it was always different. It seemed like it was kind of like pulling itself in all different directions, not in a dangerous way, but um, I could just feel it seemed to like uh, pull differently than some of those more traditional like two motor setups with mm-hmm. just one on the front and uh, rear. Uh, yeah, super fast. That's 908 pound feet of torque. Uh, yeah. So super torquey. Toes up to 11,000 pounds. We didn't tow with it. Um, curious to see. Uh, we've had some anecdotal evidence about these trucks towing with mm-hmm. 314 miles of range on this Rivian. 
Uh, I would imagine that gets cut down quite a bit if you're towing. At least half. Yeah. Um, so if you have any firsthand experience, let us know. <laughs> Be interesting to, to talk about that. But my favorite thing about the, the truck is just, and really with anything, is like gadgets. This is like a gadget truck. It's Again, it's, what was the one we tested? Like 87 grand. Roughly. It's for like the tech forward person, early adopters, not necessarily like, uh, like a person in the trade industry, but somebody who likes to get out and do things on the weekends and with all kinds of storage places like in the frunk, uh, which I always love a good frunk, uh, which even has like underfloor storage in the frunk. <laughs> you got to get those shirts made up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even the bed, like the ridge line, it has under bed storage, which is cool. But the coolest one, um, Stephen, which you were, I think, uh, in the road test uh, displayed was, what do you even call that? Like Behind the mid, cab, I think they mid, mid trunk or something. Something mid like trunk that. pass through. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like super trick. Yeah, sure. it's like in front of the bed behind yeah. the cab, and it's low, so you mm -hmm. pop it open. It's literally pass through. You can throw stuff back there. They got like a flashlight in the door. Mm -hmm. They got like an onboard uh, uh, air um, compressor. Right. They got a. a they had uh, cables that you could plug into the bed to tie yep. down bikes or whatever. Yeah. and they would be tied in with the alarm system. So if anyone messed with the cables, mm -hmm. they would go off. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, removable Bluetooth speaker, yep. which right. might sound like stupid to you, but I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, we fired it up too. It worked pretty well. Yeah. And, like, and then like little things like where you can take the cargo rails on the bed and then like transfer them to the roof. Yep. All kinds That's of sweet. little things uh, that, you know, if somebody were to argue to me that it's not a truck, I would point to all these things and be like, what about this makes right. it not a truck? Because all these things are, it's about, um, you know, how you use it, being able to, to throw something on the top or on the bed and all the storage. I mean, that's what makes it a truck. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I think making it more towards the non-traditional truck buyer, I think was a great uh, thing on their part because that, you know, cause that's the first thing everyone, you know, with the lightning, Oh, the range goes down when you tow. Well, of course it does. That's, you know, how many people really tow with their F-150s? I know a lot, but there's a lot more that don't. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they immediately kind of take themselves out of that argument of getting compared to the F-150. So I think, and all the trick features are absolutely a highlight of it for sure. It's a, yeah. it's a very cool truck. Um, exciting to see yeah, more of them out on the road. Um, I've and seen quite a few. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just, it, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to keep rambling. I, know. Yeah. Stop it. Well, I have a gripe about it, though. I mean, okay, good. we even mentioned it in the road test, how you have to go into every single screen individually in order to do a certain function. Uh, That's right. what I want to talk about, yeah. the interior. Yeah, you still it have the two, you have the main screen, and then you have the, the gauge screen, which the owner's, so this was an owner's car. Shout out to Neil um, for letting us uh, drive this thing. But they were both, um, they mentioned that, but uh, what Tesla doesn't have is the gauge cluster behind the steering wheel. Yeah. Right, which they, yeah. uh, the owners were very appreciative that the Rivian does Absolutely. have that. Uh, but like you said, I um, and and I fall into the trap too. Stephen is like, you have to set the steering wheel. You have to set like a whole bunch of settings with that screen. But for most people who own the truck, it's one like and that, done. It's one yeah. and done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like the other thing I didn't like was because I was getting in and out of the truck. Was you had to have the card to yes. to start it and unlock it. Mm -hmm. When you're getting in and out like 15 times in an hour, it's yeah. a problem. But 
for sure. For daily life, not too big. I of mean, a if deal. it's like your only vehicle, sure, it's cool. But like, there are some people I'm sure that might have a situation where it's like, you know, the lone vehicle and a three or four person household, and like everyone's taking their turn with it. And it was like, yeah, the for me, it was mainly like the steering wheel adjustment. You have to go into the screen, select it, and then there's two like, um, like, um, I don't even know what to call them on the steering wheel. Rollers. Rollers. Rollers thank out. you. That's probably the best nice. way to put them. And then one side is for tilt, and the other side's for telescope, and it just felt like it took way too long to actually get it done. But mm. you know, minor gripe, but nonetheless, something I wasn't. A fan I like of. its size the best. I it think, was a good because size. I'm driving the Lightning, like that's a big truck. Like, yeah, it was. That's yeah, huge. Yeah. And so, um, so, and you know, we talk obviously all the time about how like people people don't use their F-150s that they buy, and these are big trucks, and so I think. Like, it just seems like a very good size Garageable. for most people. Garageable. Yeah. 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 Nice. Garageable. That's a good one. That's a good All one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any more comments on the Rivian before we move on to our lightning round? We'll get to work on those T-shirts. What is it? Uh, uh, I love a good front. I love a good front. And, yeah. gar- and that's garageable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lightning round. Panelists uh, will have 30 seconds for this trending automotive topic. All right. I love it. Uh, It's a long one, so bear with me and my uh, mumbling. Shipping delays have been a common issue domestically, but it is becoming just as large of an issue internationally. The German port of Bremerhaven is racing, uh, facing major congestion issues with cars clogging the areas waiting for shipment to the U.S. and other major markets. Due to lack of shipping vessels, drivers, and containers uh, worsening the problem, is there any light at the end of the car shortage tunnel? Who wants to go first? Steven, let's do it, man. Oh, sure. yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. Why not? Let's go with Why new not? guy. You got 30 seconds now. Let's roll with it. And go. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It, ever since COVID happened, you know, everything's just been up in the air. And I know we hate the word COVID. But anyway... Um, it's been, what, two, three years. There's been the chip shortages, part shortages, everything. I hope there is, but at the same time, everything's just changing every single day. Things start to get better, and then, oh, no, something happens where things go back to being worse. And I ask myself every day when I get up, like, oh, what could possibly go wrong today? And <laughs> things could possibly <laughs> Wow, this is dark. Stop. Love this. Okay, it's over. <laughs> seconds. Fair enough, but I don't know. Oh, man, we were about to have Steven, a What uh, could possibly go wrong today? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so anyway, back to it. Um... I feel like every day or like every week I keep hearing, oh, used cars prices are going down, um, but they don't go down in any significant way, maybe just slightly, um, like evening out from being like crazy than what the, what they used to be. Yeah, they're going down in the sense like budget cuts. When the government makes budget cuts, they don't really cut. They just don't raise as much as they said they were going right. to. Right, yeah. That's how used car prices just aren't climbing as fast as they were. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um it's so tough to to know when this could potentially like things could start moving their way back to normal just with the fact that there's a lack of people being able to do a lot of these things i think in certain cases um especially like with deliveries there's trucks that are made or there's cars being made but they just don't have people to get them from point a to to your house um so 
I don't know. Just uh, I right now don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm hoping you know 2024 is is a good year for us where we see things really bounce back. Um, but I don't know. I also feel like just maybe things are going to be very different in the automotive world. I don't mm. think things will ever go back to normal. Time's up, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll take off on where you ended up. Um, yeah, I think dealers have gotten used to the low inventory. They're starting to realize, like, hey, maybe we didn't need all that inventory on our lots. Uh, so they're starting to rethink how how to do things, even if things do get back to normal, if there is such a thing anymore. Um, and then to go back to the uh, the depressing tone that Stephen started. <laughs> uh, Oops. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up on any light at the end of the tunnel. It just it it. I mean. I'm not going to prognosticate. I don't get paid to do it, but they can't even do it right. Because right. when it first started, they're like, oh, people aren't going to buy lumber. People bought a ton of lumber, and right. guess what? There was a lumber shortage. Yeah. People aren't going to buy cars. Guess what? Tons of people bought cars. Car shortage. So I, I'm not even sure what you can call here. But I, I just feel like even if one thing gets better, because this is the trend that we've had, another thing's going to get worse. So... Take that as you will, and I'm just going to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any ray of sunshine uh, to shine on the light uh, on the topic either. Uh, there's always a, a different thing. You know, first it was the chips, then it was the boats, uh, couldn't get unloaded, then it was the truck driver shortage. I mean, it's always mm. something different uh, popping up. I was, ship sinking, like literally yeah. ship sinking. Or yeah. catching on fire. Catching yeah, yeah. On fire. <laughs> so I will say the one positive thing, I'm in and out of dealers uh, a lot, getting cars and talking to uh, different dealerships. Their inventory is going up a little bit, um, so that's positive. The other thing is... As kind of uh, Greg was hinting on, you know, buying a car has changed a lot in that you don't go in and then you pick from 20 that are on the lot. Now you get to go in. If you're not in a hurry, you can you can say, I want this exact. Yeah. You can get it built yes. exactly the way you want it and generally not have to pay more for that. Whereas before, you know, you were pretty much uh, you would have to pay more if you wanted something special, special ordered orders. and it yeah. would take a long time. Uh, now it's kind of they can work it right in. You can just do it on your phone. Yep. You can do it right and now if you want to. You get exactly the vehicle that you want, not one that's on a lot somewhere. So maybe that's the one positive thing uh, I can see that's come out of all of it. But then when it does get to you and if it's a gas-powered car, your catalytic converter will just get stolen. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as soon as you, yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you get something, you lose something. That's what I'm trying to tell everyone. All right. uh, let's quickly move on to this viewer question and i thought this question was uh i wouldn't uh, not the most interesting question i'll put it that way uh but uh turns out the more we think about it the more interesting it has become this is from annie if i am in an accident with a self-driving car who is responsible now she doesn't mention whether she's in the vehicle or she's being hit by the vehicle so it doesn't really uh specify but uh does anyone have an answer for annie hmm. well, i think the most important thing to mention of course is that there are no self-driving cars on the road explain the what you mean by that because there are no cars i fear all about self-driving cars all the time <laughs> <laughs> there are no vehicles that can get you from point a to point b without you having to monitor them the entire time. Right, legally, yes. legally, there are no vehicles that can do that. Even if any manufacturer out there decides to tout that they could, 
Right now, there are none. So Could? Sure. Should? <laughs> not, not so much. So not with that, given our current state. Right. No. So with that uh, clarification, if Annie is hit by another driver who is using uh, one of the many semi-autonomous systems mm -hmm. that are available, mm -hmm. uh, whose fault is that? So if they are using, say, something like Super Cruise, a hands-free driver assistance system, which is only level two, um, you, it is still whoever hit you that is their it is their responsibility um their you know no matter if you are using any driver assistance program in a vehicle uh, you still have to be monitoring them i mean that includes us we use super and they cruise, tell you the, yes. the system tells you and it looks they the level twos like you said super cruise mm -hmm. they have eye monitors mm -hmm. you have to be looking forward mm -hmm. and it'll tell you if you're not looking forward and i think even before you start the system or when you start it they'll say something along the lines of driver must be able to take control of the car or mm -hmm. must be paying attention mm -hmm. which means the uh the onus lies on you the driver correct yes. sitting Currently. in the driver's seat. correct yes, yes. absolutely so ultimately, is in the state we as of what is today, November fourteenth of twenty twenty two, of all cars sold, all drivers of that car are responsible if it's in an accident. Correct. If if you cause the accident. Right. Yes. <clears throat> yes, because these these driver assistance systems, um, they they give you so many alerts. I mean, they vibrate your seat. You know when they say, oh. We're, we can't find the lane anymore. You have to take back control. Um, so you have to be watching the entire time. Now, when it comes to the future, because we will have vehicles that have forms of autonomy. Let's refer to that. Yeah. Forms of autonomy. Um, and so that's all being legislated right now because there are no real true laws on the books and it's very complicated because in Europe it's a little bit easier to legislate um, the roads because of um, the EU and, and such like that. In the US every state has different rules and laws mm -hmm. so um, every state is going to have to um, have their legislature approve the, the the rules of the road essentially and whether they grab that from other states is is you know we'll see how that ends up happening but um california is very likely going to be the first to kind of move forward with shocker. that shocker um yeah big shocker um but so it, the, i guess the real answer to this is that once the the lawmakers um, come up with the laws that allow these autonomous systems, then we will know much more about who is liable in cases of um, uh, accidents and such. But I will say that my experience in um, a level three system, which is in, in simplistic terms, it's conditional autonomy, so it can be autonomous in a very, 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 very small use case. Um, and the vehicles are are made that if they no longer can function properly, they s come to a safe stop somewhere. Um, so I don't. I I think there might be this perspective that like these cars are going to be like running rampant or something. Um, I don't see that personally being the case. Um, but 
there's a lot more smart people that are testing these and, and making sure that uh, they are really able to function well on roads. And um, but it's going to be it's going to be a little bit until we see any of that. So yeah. um, I mean, how many times have you been driving and you see something and you're like, wow, I never saw that before. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> so right. So these things can't possibly be prepared for every scenario. They can't even handle a day like if the t- day like today driving on the highway when the sun's coming up. There's systems that freak out when the sun's yep. too directly yeah. into their system. I mean, yeah. and you think rain, rain is a pretty <laughs> Snow big Snow that builds up on it. Yeah. I mean, it, they're just... Uh, that's, that's why I think, I think the importance of asking this question and us addressing it is to mention that, you know, this is not a reality we live in right now. And it probably won't be a reality we live in for quite a few years. Yeah, I'm still not convinced it'll ever truly... You know, people get in a car, program a destination, and then never touch the steering wheel. I absolutely I'm not too sure much that can go wrong. We'll, I'm not sure that will ever There's get There's too many variables. To right. And yes. It only takes one major catastrophe uh, to happen, and then, you know, lawsuits happen, and somebody steps in and shuts it down. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like when Vehicles, we had that uh, when we had that Silverado that had the Super Cruise, that was mm-hmm. the first time I experienced it and like a, at somewhat form of autonomous driving. And, yeah, it's cool. It's interesting, but it's weird. And there's, yeah, Stuff as we said, too many variables that can happen. You know, if it were to be a malfunction or just a total shutdown and you lose control of the vehicle, what have you. And then there's even been cases where, you know, people start, you know, accusing the manufacturer of, oh, well, your system failed. I got into an accident. It'll get acrimonious. Yeah, yeah, it gets, and, it starts and, happening. And also, I think we have to keep in mind that the manufacturers do not want to be sued for things like this as well, That you know, liability-wise. So, um doesn't deter it's some of them, though. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, maybe tr- maybe I should use the word traditional, traditional yeah. manufacturers. Um, but, no, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting when you guys Ooh. are experience uh, some of the level three systems yeah. that are coming out. All I, I can really say is that, in my opinion, your name's on the vehicle, you're on the insurance, you're behind the wheel, you're responsible. That's my take. Cars are dangerous uh, weapons, so... They are. Yeah. 94%. I was thinking about that the other day, of how to word that. That was well. You're just driving two tons of death. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 that Hummer, man. Yeah. Just, <laughs> a lot just, of responsibility that, yeah, behind the wheel what, of that four, thing. That's four, four and, and a half, half tons yeah, of death. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe pay a little bit of attention while you're driving, because it is a serious thing. Put your foot down. <laughs> that's a great way to end it, Greg. Yeah, that Appreciate a, that's that. a rant right there. <laughs> uh, speaking of, are there any rants? And or raves from anyone, Stephen. Do you have let it rip, man. Any Get your time. For you? Well, I mean, I know it's something that's been talked about a lot over the years. Yeah, let's all rant about the same thing. <laughs> over the day, I was riding around with my dad yesterday, and uh, you know, in one of his work units, you know, it's a newer Honda Pilot, and he's talking about like, you know, what is it with the all these electric parking brakes? And mm. he's like, That's your dad, Jerry Seinfeld. He is not. <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and like the whole term of an emergency brake is just for that an emergency. And you can't really pull an electric parking brake, can you, in the event of an emergency? You can. Well, yeah, we have yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just didn't know. And I was like, Well, that's a great question and definitely worth talking about at least. Um, yeah, I just, I'm used to just, you know, old school handle if you need it. it's like the also the drama too it's like grab the handle grab the handle not the oh let me let me push this tab and hopefully come to a stop i never um, know which way to push it I right because some are different in but you're supposed to like some pull can, you can do up. both ways yeah. some you can't yeah 
But you can. You can actually. You you pull usually uh, hold it in one direction, and it'll. It is pretty activate. responsive yeah. too. Okay. Well, I learn something new every day. Yeah. So my suggestion is to go home and get in your dad's pilot. <laughs> uh, go, yeah, on, go on the E button. <laughs> go on the beltway, and <laughs> sixty miles, sixty-five miles an hour approximately, and then just pull that back. I will be sure to send you my hospital uh, invoice. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And I then need some new brakes. You after can it, say, but. "Well, it was the Honda's fault because I was just holding the yeah, most of them. I don't. I can't speak for all of them, but yeah, they will. Um, if you hold the button or hold the lever back, however you uh, initiate it, that uh, will um, have an emergency type break. Okay. But I think we're getting away from emergency brakes in general, and that most people just consider them parking brakes. I mean, sure. yeah. back in the day I've... when we had drum brakes and stuff, um, you know. Losing your brakes was an actual real possibility that mm -hmm. not generally uh, um, something that happens these days, although I'm sure there it's are happened instances. to two people I know in the last couple of months, actually. <laughs> yes, I, uh, and having worked so at a dealership than, before, I've seen some uh, interesting really? scenarios. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of vehicles that came into dealership, man, you'd be terrified seeing some of them. <laughs> so take care of your brakes no matter what kind of percent yeah. that's always a good advice and uh, with that we will wrap it up be sure to uh, check us out on the all the usual places on the internets and uh, pbs mav tv i'll uh, thank our audio engineer david wainwright uh, podcast producer jessica ray and podcast creator bob mixer the uh, maker of all things good. He's never on these podcasts, ironically. <laughs> I know. We should force created him to it. Yeah. You can't create that. something and then just run away from yeah, it. He, he, Bob has like a. Um uh, like a grandfathered-in spot on Motor Week. Cause he, we always he leave arguably, a chair open for him. Yeah. What you guys don't see is there's always a chair open for Bob. If he ever just wants to sit in you, on this. You'll see Bob's name show up in old uh, episodes from the first uh, probably like 10 seasons, I think. He used to. Uh, Bob has been a longtime fixture yeah. of Maryland Public Television and also of Motor Week. Yeah. And we appreciate all of his help over the years. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil and TireRack.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.